Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. With earnings season beginning to wrap up, we want to pay special attention to property stocks and REITs. And while a few of the de- developers actually disappointed, most revealed a strong rebound from last year's punishing conditions, thanks to improving property values and a rebound in certain markets. But what challenges face uh, Singapore's developers as we look ahead? Well, today on Money FM 89.3, we're joined by Mr. Vijay Natarajan, who's RHB's property and REIT analyst. He's the resident property and REIT analyst, and he's here to share with us his thoughts on the various report cards coming from Singapore's property developers, if the worst is behind them, and what challenges might lie ahead. Vijay, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show, sir. Happy Monday. Thank you. Thank you, JP. It's always nice to be on the show. All right. I look Uh, forward to it. Yeah. So Vijay, you know, earnings were fairly mixed across most property stocks, but I might say that for the most part, a lot of them showed signs of a recovery. For instance, UOL and Capitaland both coming back into the black, actually, in the first half of this year. But given all of the data that we had to parse through, and I'm sure you spent a lot of hours in the last couple of days looking at all of these report cards, what were some of your key impressions and takeaways from the various earnings releases of Singapore's noted property developers? Yes, as you have rightly pointed out, earnings were still a mixed bag and we could still see some uh, lingering negative impact on earnings from the various sorts of uh, lockdown measures implemented in Singapore and other countries of the world. Uh, Especially retail and hospitality sectors are the ones which are still facing the brunt in terms of adjusting to this start-stop policy measures in some of the geographies with landlords and government resorting to some form of rental waiver and restructuring of the leases to mitigate the impact while demand still remains patchy. But industrial sector, on the other hand, has been holding up fairly well, as well as office sectors, which has been holding up well. But overall, there are signs of recovery, despite concerns over development, delta variants with vaccination rates ramping up, and countries slowly transitioning into a new normal of living with endemic. We are able to see this in the developer scorecard. We are seeing the transactions are picking up. We are also seeing the residential uh, Volumes have been holding up steady. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom. We are seeing some positive signs in the scorecard and the, the latest numbers. All right. And you know, one thing that some of the more successful property developers uh, highlighted when they had decent um, uh, first half earnings, one of the things they actually highlighted actually has been a recovery, at least in property values that help boost their earnings. Uh, from your point of view, Vijay, how important has the recovery in the property market been for property developers with a handful of them actually highlighting a significant decline in fair value losses? How big of a factor has this been in helping boost their prospects in the first six months of the year? Um, Actually, if you look at uh, one interesting thing in this COVID crisis, it has been the resilience of the capital values globally. Yes, there are still some fair value losses recorded, especially in hospitality and retail assets. But we are seeing the magnitude of the write downs coming down uh, considerably compared to what we saw last year. There are signs of asset value stabilizing. Cap rates have been holding up steady and even compressing for some of the asset classes like logistics and data centers. So overall, I would say barring a further worsening of COVID situation, we should see asset values holding up. And by the end of the year, even in fact, we could see a slight upward revision in the capital values and which is a positive sign uh, for developers in the coming quarters. 
All right. Now, COVID-19 uncertainties continue to weigh on many sectors, and we know the property developers and the property stocks are not immune to this. But for developers, we might also see some potential challenges from supply chain constraints on materials and maybe even labor restrictions for some of their projects. How serious a challenge could these pose to developers in the coming months? Or is the outlook on these particular problems improving based on what you're tracking, Vijay? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. This is one of the key concerns flagged by developers during the latest uh, updates. Uh, the constraint is more critical on manpower, especially uh, for construction sector, and less so on the material cost, which tend to be cyclical, and there are ways to mitigate this. I think one of the ways uh, developers have been addressing this manpower constraints uh, is by working, uh, forging a close relationship with uh, uh, the construction contractors whom they have worked with in the past and are also sharing and absorbing some of these cost pressures wherever possible. As far as the outlook is concerned, uh, we have seen government come out to address some of these manpower constraints recently. They have temporarily announced some measures to support this manpower crunch as well as the job support scheme. And with gradual opening of the border expected by the end of the 2021, we should see some of these pressures easing as we move into 2022 and hopefully the situation should turn out for better as we move into 2022. Could some of the projects though for some of these property developers be in danger of being delayed or pushed back and will that matter um, for their performances moving forward though Vijay? Uh, definitely. I think uh, the delays are uh, going to happen. It is a question of how many months. I think on an average, uh, uh, the expected delay is somewhere between 6 to 12 months. And we can see that government has already relaxed the ABSD deadline by uh, one year for developers to complete these projects. Uh, as for the impact is concerned, uh, I think... Uh, this has been largely factored in. Unless there is going to be a much more worsening of manpower situations, I think the developers' earnings impact from construction delays uh, is it can be managed at this point of time. All right, we're still speaking to Mr. Vijay Natarajan, RHB's resident property and REIT analyst here in Money FM 89.3 to talk about the recent earnings results, at least for the property developers and REITs here in Singapore. And, you know, Vijay, as we move closer to the end of August, focus will begin shifting to the Jackson Hole Symposium at the end of this month. And Fed officials in the last couple of weeks have sounded more hawkish in recent times. Now, if tighter policy leads to more rate pressures or upward rate pressures, what might this mean for developers and REITs who may be somewhat sensitive to these particular dynamics? Share with us your thoughts on how some of this particular uncertainty, rate uncertainties, might be playing into the outlook of our developers and REITs, if it is at all. Uh, yeah, Inter interest rates and inflation fact are definitely some of the factors which are closely correlated to the performance of uh, developers and REITs. Uh, the correlation is inverse, i.e. if interest rates rise much faster than what is expected, we will have an impact, adverse impact on uh, REITs because these are all yield stocks which are benchmarked against the basic interest rates. And the demand for property as such would also reduce if interest rates goes up much faster. But looking at this juncture, I mean, even though Fed has started to sound a bit more hawkish, but they have reiterated their policy stance that they would be looking at a more careful, calibrated approach and taking jobs data as the key, key conditions before they can scale back and asset purchases and lifting rates. So we will be watching closely what is going to happen in this uh, uh, Jackson Hole meeting, but we don't expect any significant earth-shattering announcement that would have a negative impact on REITs or uh, developers at this point of time. All right, Vijay, let's talk about one particular uh, property stock and arguably the biggest one actually in this bunch. The big news, of course, this month, 
with Capital Land's plan to restructuring that was overwhelmingly approved at the recent EGM. And this, of course, you know, causing significant uh, interest, actually, and uh, waves in the, the, in the markets over the last couple of weeks. A lot has been made, actually, about this move potentially unlocking a lot of value for the property giant. Can you help our listeners understand what value can be potentially unlocked and could be actually beneficial to shareholders if Capital Land's restructuring does uh, push uh, uh, it does push through as it seems to be on the cards. Okay, basically, what this restructuring exercise does is to split the business into two: development business, which is a long-term oriented in nature, faces challenges from the policy measures as well as construction delays, which we discussed. This business is going to be taken private with a cash plus stock offers for this part of the business. So, what will be listed? Uh, post this restructuring is the investment management business. If you look at the investment management business, this is a highly income generating business, asset light in nature, and also presents a lot of scale for growth by drawing capital from other investors. Because of this nature of uh, business, the equity investors typically like this investment management business, especially in this kind of market conditions where there are a lot of uncertainty and are ready to pay a good valuation premium for this kind of business. Even looking at some of the greatest transactions like ESR acquisition of ARA, we think that Capital Land's new business is highly undervalued at this point of time and is looking interesting. Do you think that if uh, they do move ahead and restructure it where they take their development arm private and also and keep their investment management, their real estate investment management arm um, on the public markets, do you think other developers might be encouraged to follow suit also? And could this start a trend, Vijay? Um, it's a good question. I think other developers are thinking about it, but you have to keep in mind that one size doesn't fit all. Capital mm-hmm. Land has a big platform in place. Capital Land has been scaling up this business over the last decade. So it has been a painstaking efforts of Capital Land's careful uh, approach over the last 10 years that has led them to where they are at this point of time and that has led them to make this restructuring exercise. Uh, yes, the other developers could consider some approach of this in the future, but I think in the near term, uh, it is a bit, I would say, uh, the opportunities are a bit less. Mm-hmm. All right. Vijay, you know, let's talk, and I think we have to talk also about the other big property group in Singapore, and that's City Developments. And I'd like to get your thoughts on them because they were notably one of the few uh, property developers that was still in the red in the first half. And they're still facing some concerns about exposure to risk from Sincere Property Group out in China. In the grand scheme of things, though, how grave are these China uncertainties to City Developments' overall health? And will their aggressive push here in Singapore, particularly in the residential space, be enough, provide enough momentum? to overcome some of these hiccups or these potential headwinds coming from China? Uh, yes, I think Sincere has been one among their uh, uh, major hiccup in the recent history of city developments. Uh, but what we have also seen is that city developments has written down almost uh, most of the 95% of the investments. They are left with only a very small portion of their investment of uh, SGD 117 million in the books at this point of time. And these are also held in the forms of mostly safe instruments like bonds, etc. If you look at management, management has reiterated the, uh, during its latest briefing also that it doesn't plan to inject further equity into it and doesn't expect any significant losses from this business. So what we can uh, say at this business or what we can take away from the management call is that 
this is a, a loss. A lo- I mean, the losses in the sincere has been constrained, and management is moving forward with the new direction of the business. In Singapore, CDL has been definitely benefit from the strong demand in residential volumes. The good thing about CDL is that CDL has also land banked some of the projects in the recent uh, quarters. In the recent quarter, they have uh, bought some two land parcels, the government's uh, land sales. So they have land banked their uh, uh, status. Other thing which also has been beneficial for CDL, which we can look forward, is that uh, they are planning to list one among the REIT. They have made a, a proposal to list a REIT in SGX for the mm-hmm. UK commercial portfolio, which will boost the fund management business. They are also talking about asset enhancement plans, which I think is a very positive move for Fuji Xerox Towers and Central Malls. Uh, I think they have already submitted the asset enhancement enhancement plans to the authorities, and uh, likely this is going to shape, take shape in the next. Uh, uh, two quarters or so, which should be a positive for the share price. So I would say that the bad news is most morely, mostly priced in and we could look forward to some sort of bottoming out and a positive surprises for CDL uh, going forward into 2022. All right. So that brings me to my final question, Vijay. We're looking ahead now as, we, as Singapore prepares for potential economic recovery and reopening. Vijay, based on the number of company developers and REITs that you cover, what do you think is the one developer and one REIT that you think is worth tracking as we head closer and closer to a potential economic reopening here? Okay, I think we have discussed a lot about Capital Land. I think Capital Land is taking a new shape and a new, uh, uh, I would say, new entity is going to be listed very soon in uh, the SGX. So I think that is ex- definitely has been exciting. Investors are looking forward to that new entity, which is going to be listed in the exchange by mid of September. So that's worth tracking and in the near term from a developer space. And among the REIT space, uh, we believe that SunTech REIT is undervalued and investors has priced in a lot of negatives from COVID. So with the economic recovery and reopening, this would be an interesting REIT to look out from a valuation as well as a beneficiary from the eventual recovery in the mall, uh, convention and office space. My picks would be Capital Land and Suntech REIT. I'd like to thank Vijay Natarajan, RHB's resident property and REIT analyst, for uh, spending some time with us here on Money FM and Empire 3 to go over the various report cards of Singapore's property developers and REITs and to give us his thoughts on how the sector fared now and looking forward. Vijay, as always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times, and we look forward to next time you can join us back on the show. Meanwhile, do stay safe and have a great rest of the week ahead, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.